everybody. Glad to be with you again as we begin a new series on David. Let me tell you, I am excited about this series. David is one of the most iconic figures in all of Scripture. A young shepherd who becomes the greatest king Israel would ever know, apart from Christ, that is. You know, a man of confidence, you know, not only in himself, but even more in the God in whom he placed his trust. David exudes confidence because he knows God is with him. He is not seeking glory or fame. He does not desire to be king, yet it finds him nonetheless. What is it about this man that God would choose him to be king, and despite his many mistakes, God refers to him as a man after God's own heart? Let's just, you know, tell you what, let's jump in and and take a look at some lessons from a king in the making. The story begins in 1 Samuel 15 with the rejection of Saul as the king. Before Saul, Israel had no king. They were a theocracy. God was their king. God spoke through the prophets, you know, and in this case, which was Samuel at the time, and he would give them or give the people their instructions or relay the messages that he had for them. Everything was done according to God's law. However, that was not good enough because all the pagan nations around them had a king, so they wanted a king too. We do the same thing as well when we want something someone else has, not realizing God has uh, maybe set us apart or set you apart for a, a different purpose. Yet we desire to be like people we see on TV or social media that have no ounce of godliness in them or about them. Well, the people of Israel wanted a king like the other nations. They kept asking and asking, and God sent Samuel to anoint Saul as king so the people could have the king they so badly wanted. And the cautionary tale here is that when you relentlessly pursue what you want instead of what God wants for you, God will sometimes allow you to have what you uh, are seeking so that you can learn a lesson. God's not going to force you to obey him, but he will allow you to learn some hard lessons when you choose to ignore him in pursuit of your own desires. Okay, so back to Saul and how this leads to David. Saul becomes uh, Israel's first king, and the Spirit of God was with him. You know, back then the Spirit of God rested on the leader like Saul, and those under that leader were blessed through that leader. You know, only after the cross was the Holy Spirit given to each believer personally um, to dwell within that person. Uh, That, however, is a different discussion, so we'll talk about that another day. Saul started out, though, you know, doing good, but soon enough you realize that he does not have a heart for God like David, uh, like David does, or like David did. And like so many, the power and greed corrupt him. You know, 1 Samuel 15 tells us that Saul was commanded by God to go and wipe out the Amalekites completely, destroy everything and everyone, including the livestock, take nothing and destroy everything. Seems like a pretty simple um, to follow command in the sense that it's not complicated to understand. And this was um, a punishment for the Amalekites and you know, for what they did to God's people when when God's people came uh, up out of Egypt. So Saul had clear instructions, but what Saul, but what does Saul do? He takes the Amalekite king, Agag, alive, and then has his men keep the good livestock 
you know, and, and the good stuff for, for themselves. So, Scripture says he was unwilling to destroy those things. This marks the beginning of the end for Saul. It's not that he tried and failed or that he was unable. He was unwilling, Scripture says. God gave him clear instructions, but he was unwilling to follow them. Why? Because, uh, because of greed and selfish motives, pride. You know. Similarly, uh, when God asks us to tithe or give, but we are unwilling to, you know, maybe God leads you in a direction or puts a call on your life, but we are unwilling to heed that call or go where God wants us to go. Like Jonah, who was unwilling to go where God was trying to send him, so he was thrown overboard and swallowed by a great fish or a well. You know, did he eventually go where God wanted him to go? Sure, but he made uh, you know, but he made it way more difficult than it needed to be. For Saul, however, this great defiance would cost him his kingship and his life. His descendants would never sit on the throne. The more we go through the life of David, you will see that Saul's heart was never in the right place. He was never a man after God's own heart like David. That is very important to remember about David. For all his mistakes, he had a heart for God and would always submit to God's correction. After Saul's unwillingness to do what God asked of him, Scripture says that the Spirit of God left him. And Samuel tells Saul that the Lord has spoken and has rejected him as king. And you can find that in 1 Samuel 15, 23. Meanwhile, a young man named David is tending his father's sheep with no concern of fame, glory, or even being king. Yet, he is in the process of becoming the greatest king Israel would ever know, again, apart from from Christ. God tells Samuel to go to Bethlehem and find Jesse, and he would tell Samuel which one of Jesse's sons to anoint as the next king of Israel. 1 Samuel 16, 6-13 tells us what happened. Samuel is introduced to seven of Jesse's sons, and with the first one, Samuel thought, surely this is the one. But it was not, and neither were, were the other six. You know, finally Samuel asked Jesse if, you know, does he have any other sons? And he tells him, oh, there's still one more. He's tending the sheep, though. Samuel had, you know, had someone go and get David, and, and he wouldn't sit down until David got there. You know, or he wouldn't move on with the process until David got there. Samuel needed to see and, and meet this final son because the other, other seven had been rejected. And they were amazing. And, you know, the way Scripture reads it, Samuel looks at them like, surely this is the one. Like, this is, you know, uh, a pretty awesome looking dude, strong, confident. Man, surely he's the one. But they were not. And God rejected all of them. You know, and and wait, and he waits till David gets there, and um, and when David gets there, you know, and walks in, God tells Samuel, "Rise and anoint him, for he is the next king." You see, man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. What man thinks are great qualifiers, God gives no attention to, because God is the qualifier. If that you know, if that makes sense to you, He knows each person's ability. He made them. Also, God doesn't need to call the qualified because he qualifies those he calls. If we live within our own ability, God gets none of the glory. 
But when we surrender to Him in faith and allow God to use us according to His purpose, His ability, you know, according to His purpose and His ability, you will be amazed at what He can do. And in the case of David, He took a lowly shepherd and made him the greatest king Israel would ever have, apart from Christ, of course. Now, so Saul is rejected by God, and the Spirit of God leaves Saul. That is because of his disobedience and disregard for God's ways over his own. You know, disobedience has consequences, and Saul learns that the hard way. Remember, Scripture says that obedience is more favored than sacrifice. Now, David wasn't seeking fame or power. He was tending his father's sheep. He was being a a good steward of the responsibilities entrusted to him. He was content. After Samuel anoints David... He leaves, and David goes back to tending the sheep for his father. The Bible doesn't say that David was angry or spiteful for being the last to be invited to the event. David didn't chase Samuel down asking him why he was anointed. He went back to doing what he had been doing all along. David trusted God to guide him and protect him. How often do we chase after something instead of waiting on God? As you will see, even after it becomes apparent that God has chosen David to be the next king, David still waits on God and doesn't force it to happen. He waits on God to make it happen. This is the making of a king. The foundation is in David's faith in God. But David is not ready to be king. Uh, and when Samuel, you know, and he's not ready to be king when Samuel anoints him. It will be approximately 13 years before David is ready to become king. God has to take him through some things first to prepare him for this calling. Remember what I said, God prepares those he calls. He provides for those he calls, and he qualifies those he calls. You know, God may place you may place a calling on your life, but you may not be ready at that time when he places that calling on your life. That doesn't mean you won't be ready. God may reveal that calling early on or he may or he may not but one thing is for sure when he anoints you for a task or purpose he will see to it that you are qualified because he will like david take you through some things to make sure you are ready to fulfill that purpose that is what i mean when i say god doesn't choose the qualified he qualifies those he has chosen If God is leading you and calling you in a particular direction and you feel unqualified or not ready, hold on because God is about to take you through some things to get you ready. He will qualify you and no one will be able to refute it. David is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. There are so many lessons to be gained from his life. He shows us the ups and downs of walking with God. Uh, He shows us how you can be Uh, really messed up and make some terrible choices but still have a heart for God we see the power of God's anointing and how things go when we listen to God then we see what happens when we don't wait on God or when we take matters into our own hands I hope you will continue to tune in for each episode in the life of David from the early days uh, before he becomes king all the way into you know, the second half uh, of his life or a story where he reigns as king. And there's so many ups and downs in in David's journey from a shepherd uh, to the end of his kingship. And it's a fascinating story. 
and I hope you guys will continue to tune in. This is just a little intro to kick us off and get us started as we see David being anointed and we start to set the stage for who David is and uh, tune in as we continue on with the story of David. There's such um, uh, some really great lessons and some really great things to pull from David's life uh, and his journey uh, as we go through and I think it'll be a huge benefit to you guys. So um, I pray that you'll continue to tune in and listen to these episodes as I can get them out and I will get them out as soon uh, as I can each time. Um, but that time may vary a little bit. So just, uh, just, you know, stay in touch and keep monitoring, uh, the, the podcast as they are, um, put out and I hope you guys enjoy it, but let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for your word and for the finished work on the cross. Thank you for your provision and protection. I pray for those listening today. I pray that they would hear your voice through this message. I pray that you would speak to their hearts according to what you want them to hear. I pray that if anyone is listening and they feel like they have never given their life to you in full surrender, accepting you, Jesus, as their Savior and Redeemer, the only one who can restore their relationship with the Father. I pray they would make that decision today. I pray they would give it all to you today. For your word says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The thief on the cross, all he said was, Jesus, remember me when I when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, surely you will be with me in paradise today. So give us the strength, Lord, and the faith to wait on you and trust in you. For you are at work in our lives, even when we don't see it. Amen.